This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. With Farm Bureau Health Plans, you'll get lower deductibles and premiums and less hassles. Visit FBHP.com. Along with Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. Pleased to be joined by our Titans radio partners, Coach Dave McGinnis and Rhett Bryan. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be back on the OTP. This is good. Always good to be on the OTP with this crew. How was it to see all of the alumni at the Thursday practice today, Amy? Well, first, it made me feel kind of old because more and more of the alumni coming back are people that I've worked with. now. When you've been someplace for a decade, I guess that happens, but... Normally. Yeah, but it was uh, it was so good to see everybody come back. More and more people are choosing to move to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And so that's always fun to hear that people are kind of, you know, they play in their respective teams and then they come back to Nashville to settle down because there's no place like home. There is no place like home. Coach Mack, how many of your guys were here today? All of them that live in this area. It was great. Uh, Rhett and I and Amy were upstairs, you know, where they're, they're, they're all gathered. And what I really like, not only seeing the guys, but their families. I mean, you know, I mean, Carl Klug was up there. One of my all-time favorites was talking to him and he and his wife, and then he had a whole gang yeah. with him. He had a litter of children. Yeah, he's, got, <laughs> he's, got, he's got little stair steps. And, that, you know, th- that was really fun. It was fun upstairs seeing all of them. And then Tory Holt was here, you know, with the NFL legends, and that was great seeing Tory because I've got history with him there at the Rams and what a solid human being. I mean, th- it was a great day. It really was. And great that Amy Adams Strunk wants these guys back so much, and they feel so welcome to come back. That was the overwhelming feeling from all of the guys, whether it was Kevin Long or it was Ken Amato or it was Andy Lavitri who has moved back to town. First of all, he didn't recognize the place. And just the, the overwhelming feeling of generosity on her part and the ownership group to still make them feel important because they were a part of this. All right, so got some business to take care of before we dive directly into football. A week from today, Thursday, September 1st, we, the Titans, are helping to celebrate 901 Day in Memphis. We sure are. We're going to Memphis and very excited about that. A lot of things that the organization will be involved in, but the four of us, Coach Dave McGinnis, Amy Wells, Rhett Bryan, and me, we will be at Rail Garden. Rail Garden, which is at 2166 Central Avenue, will be there from 4 to 6 p.m., and we are going to record the OTP live. So, Amy, you like taking the show on the road. I do. And now we're going to take the show on the road to Memphis one week from today. Right. And we had a lot of people ask us when we did the OTP road tour back in the spring, are you going to Memphis? Why aren't you coming to Memphis? And honestly... We couldn't go that far because one of us was kind of a <laughs> a medical risk, and that person would be me. And I mean, so, would you really say medical risk? Well, if I there's mean, an ambulance and EMTs on standby, how about yeah. how about just saying with child? Yes. I'm not trying to have a baby on a bus. Is what it came down to. And so now that the problem has resolved itself, it's not a problem. You calling w- your kid a problem, dude? It wow. was a problem, and Poor when she doesn't Olivia. sleep, she is a problem. Okay, but. Now that I'm not pregnant anymore, we can go to Memphis. Right. And so the 901 day felt like the perfect time to do that. And we're so excited to continue to take the show on the road. It's my favorite thing to this do. This is like a lovely ballad from the early 90s with Vanessa Williams. We have saved the best for last. Yes. The Bluff City, 
We're coming. We'll see you next Thursday. Yeah, we did it with some rookie season ticket members on August 14th. And now, Thursday, September 1st, one week from today, for everybody in Memphis, Tennessee, and the surrounding area, Rail Garden, 2166 Central Avenue, 4 to 6 p.m. I'm hearing there may be ribs involved with some of this trip. Oh, you know, boy. That's, I'll do anything for ribs. You guys yeah. know that. I'm really looking forward to this trip, and I'm going to just go back to what Amy said just for a minute, then I'm going to get off of it. I was very, very disappointed she didn't have Livy Corey on the bus. <laughs> I was but not she didn't deliver Livy Corey on the bus. Yes. That was, yeah. I was not not at all disappointed. Did by you that. not think it was weird that Coach was pulling so hard for that red? In hindsight, yes. Yeah, it's really, it was really odd. He really wanted I, I was just fearful. I was like, oh, God. I, I made it all the way through to Eagle Scout. I don't want to deliver this baby. I don't. That, you but know. Rhett was my choice. Of everybody on that bus, I picked Rhett because he was an Eagle Scout. Well, he has an he Eagle Scout. He could figure it out. Rhett Tear could, up some bed sheets. Let's rock and roll. Rhett Somebody could, boil some water. <laughs> yep. Come here. Rhett oh, could, they always boil water on TV. Have you ever noticed I that? Know, that's I why don't know why. Line. There was no water involved. <laughs> in I mean, now that I've done it, there's no need for boiled water. <laughs> Rhett, Rhett could have delivered the baby. I just wanted to narrate it. No. God, no. He wanted to be the color analyst. Be the color analyst. I can't think of well, anything you'd have been Doing play by play too, because this boy's been out of here. I'd have been gone. I can't think of anything <laughs> here, here's, To here's, use your line the other night, RP no. <laughs> well, the, the whole thing would be: isn't there someone more qualified? Yeah, yeah. a doctor. Yeah, a doctor. But fortunately, yes. I know a guy, and mm-hmm. that's what I would have done. I would have called a guy, and yep. we would have gotten a guy, and I would have left. I was just gonna have Rhett. He can do it. Amy Wells is not pregnant. Nope. She has a child. Everything's great except the sleeping part, and we're going to Memphis. And she's coming to Memphis with us. Livy's coming to Memphis, too, awesome. so she'll be there. And then I think some people are going to stick around after the OTP taping at Rail Garden to watch Tennessee open the season next Thursday against Ball State. I think that will probably happen. I think that is going to happen. Yes, Southeastern think- Conference football. Vanderbilt opens this weekend at Hawaii. Hawaii. They're they're out there in Hawaii now. In fact, that's why the Cardinals are practicing over there at Vanderbilt, because Vanderbilt is at Hawaii. And didn't the Cardinals have to get out of Glendale because of John Bon Jovi? Did I hear that right? That Bon Jovi? I believe that is correct, yes. Yeah, so they had to clear out. Because they practice indoors once they come back. Do they still go to Flagstaff? No, they practice. Their whole training camp is there in the stadium because it's air-conditioned and it's a little bit warm there in Phoenix this time of year during training camp. So they practice in the stadium constantly. They've got a hotel right there, right across right. the street, where they keep their players and their coaches. And so they were having to move out anyway. They were going to come here to play the Titans. And so it was a good move by them. I spent a lot of time with them yesterday morning before practice started. And then, you know, saw several of them last night. I mean, it, it was a planned move. Is Bon Jovi really big enough to kick out a whole NFL team during training camp? <laughs> Apparently so. Like, of all the names, like, I mean, like, I don't know, Elton John I'd do that for. <laughs> well, Bon Jovi I mean, is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah, they're, they're awfully, true. and he has toured consistently. Yeah. Of course, if he owned the Buffalo Bills right now, he wouldn't be there. That's true. He'd be in Buffalo. I tell Good you, that, point, was, that was an interesting story, listening to him. Tell Howard Stern about him trying to buy the Buffalo Bills and how he says Donald Trump sabotaged him on that because he didn't want him to own the team. But he was going to move to Buffalo. He he was going to be an active owner. He was going to stop touring. He was going to 
all he was going to do is be the Buffalo Bills owner, and he was very serious about it. Wow. Wow. That's commitment. If you say, I'll move to Buffalo. Ooh. You know, I'm glad that Coach Mack clarified what the field situation is and their stadium situation in the house that Mack built in Arizona. Because I called him during that Ravens preseason game, and I said, why does it look like they just had the Shelbyville Celebration Walking Horse Show in there? I don't understand. <laughs> what are we doing? Is it grass? Well, they had a concert there. Okay. And, and plus, and plus, they practice on it all the time. And so, what they'll do, you know, before the season starts, they'll slide that tray back out, resod the tray, and then keep it out there in the sun where it can grow. But they practice on it every day, and that's why right now it's got some wear to it. There was more it, divots there than a polo match. Wow. It yeah. slides in and out, right? The mechanics of it are amazing. It's a huge tray. Like how Houston's used to be. Yeah. And it, then Houston couldn't keep it up. No. See, a lot of people got hurt on it, right. right? Lots of injuries. And Arizona, they can keep it up because they got weather that can, you know, that grows all year. I mean, it's it was a pretty it's pretty much of a mechanical marvel. I was there when we went through it. Mister Bidwell, you know, went over to Amsterdam to look at a soccer stadium that that did it and brought it back. I mean, it's amazing. Oh. Let me if you if you could pick any place that would be the perfect site to host training camp, I think Flagstaff, Arizona, and Northern Arizona. The university there. I think that would be perfect. No, it was perfect. I mean, I did it for eight years. It was absolutely beautiful. First of all, it's a destination place because mm-hmm. it's right on the way in the summer to the Grand Canyon. And we would have four and 5,000 people a day at, at, at training camp. Of course, that's back when you went, you know, twice a day. The biggest problem for me as a head coach and even as an, uh, you know, as an assistant head coach there was the in the afternoon – because the San Francisco peaks are there, which is the highest point. They got, you know, snow skiing there, but it's the highest point in Arizona. But because of the, the elevation there, it's at 7,200 feet. They've got an Olympic training center up there because of the elevation, you know, with the whole oxygen thing. You've got real problems, thunderstorms every afternoon. And with that, with those mountains, comes the electricity. And so, you're, I mean, I became a real weather guru up there looking at, the, you know, looking at Doppler radar and trying to decide when or when not to have, you know, practice or to move it back or to move it up. But as far as a place to have it, it's beautiful. And we stayed in the dormitories, which were really nice, but no air conditioning because it's 65 degrees at night in the, in the mountains. It's like it's in the mountains. And it, it was a beautiful place, had three beautiful fields. I loved Flagstaff. Uh, you know, I had a, you know place in the summer in Flagstaff up there. Did you really? That I could go to, yeah. And, I mean, the whole thing was – it's a great, great setup. Really a a great setup. The only thing that happens is – is that when you come back down the mountain, when you have to come back down the mountain, you sit there and you watch that temperature gauge in your car go from 82 to 182. You know, so <laughs> it's, it's a big difference when you come back down the mountain. Sleepaway training camp is very underestimated, I think, when you go off-site for three weeks. Is it more – Beneficial, in your opinion, as a coach, to do sleepaway training camp? No, no. Why I like, not? I liked it when I came when I came here, and, and well, because you've got everything here. It's a massive move. Yeah, it's a massive move for every for everybody that supports it. Right. I mean, just you know, just for all of this stuff, that, you know, that we do electronically, and and it, it's a massive move. But not for the ball club. It's not talking about the players and the coaches. Uh, it's you, better for everybody. Because you got you got familiarity as to where you are. Right. You're not uprooting things. You're not constantly having, you know, because, you know, things always come up. These guys have families. Right. And if something comes up, they have to leave and go, you know, I mean, because they have children. They, I mean, things come up, 
you know, that are more important than football. It's much better. I, I've always thought that on-site, if, you're, if your facility could handle it, was much better. Well, it's funny. When we went in 2006 to Austin P, they did a really nice job up there. But it was funny. I had a massive problem at my house that went on while I was up there. And that's only an hour 15 from where I live. But to be several hours away or like the teams that go to Wisconsin and the, well, they're – Right, I, I did that too. We went to Platteville, Wisconsin, you know, which is three and a half, four hours away from Chicago, and no way to get there. And you know, when you get up there, and then you know, Flagstaff, Flagstaff, three hours. I mean, it's 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 up there. So I can just what you said. We'd always experience it when we were off. Somebody had something come up just because of life. What impresses you most about a Mike Vrabel training camp, Amy? I think the speed of it. I think how quickly everything moves and how quickly all of the players are able to get acclimated and they're able to start doing real real work that gets you prepared for the season right away it doesn't feel like there's a lot of revving up it doesn't feel like there's a really long acclimation period it feels like everybody right away whether you're a vet who's been with Mike Vrabel for four or five years or you're new to the organization you understand the expectations you know the speed that he wants to go at and you're moving and I don't think every training camp in the NFL is like that I think some training camps it takes a while to kind of get everyone on the same page when you can start getting real work done that's not the case in a Mike Vrabel training camp the consistency of it I mean he's very consistent with what he does also the 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 way that he is able to manage his players during training camp. It's not all just we're in training camp, and so everybody's going to go 100% of the time, 100 miles an hour all the time. He understands it. He understands it in a, in a lot of levels, and he spends a lot of time in his offseason planning that, preparing that, and then also his flexibility. He is able to adjust on the run, and it looks like it's just a continuous motion, but, it, but there's some adjustments that always take place, but his consistency is what makes it – Really, really good. And plus, he gives – there's a lot of variety to his to his training camps, and, and he does it for a reason. We've all seen it, the different periods he has, when he has them, how he does it. He knows what he's doing. For me, it's the watching Coach Vrabel teach and go from position group to position group and, and knowing what he is looking for and what he needs to see from them with, you know, eyes, hands, feet, body language, fundamentals – technique, all of those things. And I was reminded of it by, by rookie uh, Nicholas Petit Frere the other day, who, who, who said in an availability, he said, I've never had a head coach to come over and teach me one-on-one and him knowing exactly what I needed to do. And he said, it's not just my group. I see him doing it with the DBs right. and the linebackers and the secondary and, you know, the special teams. He's, he's all over the place. And he is so – he said he's the smartest coach I've ever had because I see him working with everyone and he knows exactly what everyone is supposed to be doing. It feels as if Mike does a good job, Coach Mack, of threading the needle between being involved in the groups and yet not overshadowing or usurping his position coaches. Great observation, Mike. He lets his coaches coach. But at the same time, look, he's a ball coach. And, and this was how he was as a player. I mean, this is how he, how he had a double-digit career, is he was aware of everything that went on. And as a head coach, you know, I experienced it too. You have to be able 
to be proficient in everything that goes on, but you also have to be cognizant of the fact you need to let your coaches coach. And the thing that he does such a great job of is any time that, that he wants to make corrections or do those types of things or something that's going on, he will always address that inside the building with his coaches, but he never steps over his coaches on the practice field. That's something that, you know, that and, – and as a former head coach, sometimes, you know, that's, that's hard to do because at the moment you want to step in. He, he understands how to feel that. Plus, I mean, he hires coaches that know what they're doing. But that's an art. That's an art to be able to let your coaches coach and then be able to, if you're going to coach your coaches, do it in the building. Well, and he's also so hands-on. I mean, it's not that – he just walks over and says, nope, you need to be doing this differently. I mean, he gets in there. If he's going to show you how to make a change or make a correction, especially with a lot of those players, he gets down to their level. He's able to act it out in the way that they need to be doing things. He, I mean, how many times have we seen him with a chess pad or some sort of weird bopping device where he is doing what needs to be done because he can demonstrate it. He can show a guy physically what they need to be doing or changing. And I think that as a player, that's something that you respect so much is this not just some guy telling me what I need to be doing or trying to teach me what to do. He can physically show me what it is. He can physically do it with me. And it helps with the teaching part of it. And it also probably helps kind of keep everything in line as far as as the chain of command with coaches, because it's not like he's saying, nope, you've been taught wrong. It's let me help correct your technique here for a second. I see something. Let me just show you. And then he can move on to the next thing. You hit the nail on the head, Amy. It's a demonstrative practice. That's a better word. Yes. Well, you said demonstrate. I'm just saying that's what is the one word I would describe it. It's a demonstrative hands-on practice. Every practice. Mm -hmm. Derrick Henry got more work in practice than we have seen so far in training camp, Brett. Brian, what did you see from him? More of what you expect to see. I mean, 22 is ready to go. That's the question that we all get during the offseason is, how's his health? How's his health? His health is fine. And the, the indicator that the season is right around the corner, September the 11th against the Giants, 325 kick on Titans radio, it's here. And so big boys getting work. He was in some 11-on-11 drills. And, and you could see some people got around his legs, some people falling around his legs. And when you're watching it, that's why, you know, they've been very judicious as far as doing that. But as far as Derrick Henry goes, I mean, when he, gets, when he gets it, he's taking it all the way to the end zone, like Walter Payton used to do every practice, take every run to the end zone. He's ready to go. It's a, Derrick Henry is I, – I hope people really appreciate uh, his time here because you're – you know, I, I spent some time with the with the Cardinals people again, and every team that comes in here, well, they say, you know, when they see him in person, especially when his pads are off, when he's out there after the practice, they go, "Whoa, that's different." And uh, but watching him now, we've been watching him, you know, the whole time. But when he was in that that team, those team periods, I would say twenty two is probably kind of revved up. Mac made an interesting point about the use of twenty two and. You know, making sure that he, of course, stays healthy and all of the things that you watch people during camp. But you also want to protect people around him who are trying to make a play. You know, I mean, you really do see people kind of get a little more tangled up in each other in some of those 11 on 11 drills when he's in the mix because guys are trying to show out. They're trying to stop him. They're trying to make a play. They're trying to do the things that you do at the end of camp. 
And you don't want to see those guys get hurt either. I mean, you want to keep everyone healthy. And when you're going a little bit harder to stop the big man out there, the dynamic shifts a little bit. So that was an interesting point that Mac made when we were watching practice just about why we haven't seen him so much. It's not only for his safety. It's for the safety of everybody else who's trying to show what they can do. Ramped up, no doubt this week, Derrick Henry will not play on Saturday night against the Arizona Cardinals at Nissan Stadium. But somebody who we would imagine will is Ugo Amadi. And Ugo Amadi is a Nashville native, played at Oregon, played very well at Oregon, fourth-round draft pick of the Seattle Seahawks, drafted at number 132 overall, 50 games played in his career with the Seahawks, 12 starts. He was their nickel back on defense the last two seasons. His position, I think, is technically safety, but realistically, he's just always been a nickel in this league at 5'9", 201 pounds. The Titans obtained him from the Eagles yesterday. The Eagles obtained him nine days earlier from the Seahawks. Dave McGinnis, why is Ugo Amadi here? John Robinson and Mike Vrabel want a veteran guy to look at that because, as you say, it's going, to be an, it's going to be an altered position, an altered personnel group position. And when you're looking for that person behind your two starters, you would like to have somebody that has some experience doing those things. I mean, I, I know he's a local product. I remember, you know, vetting him. Even when you vetted him at the combine, he ran four five one. This guy's got some movement skills, and he's also a pretty big hitter. And so when you – at this stage of the of the training camp, you bring someone in for that role. You want somebody that has already been in the bright lights of the National Football League for real, that is not overwhelmed with that, and then you want to be able to incorporate them. Because, look, everybody's nomenclature is a little bit different, but the schematics and the theories are a lot the same, and you want somebody that you can incorporate into that pretty quick. That's what they're looking for. Maybe like Desmond King when they acquired him a couple of seasons ago from the Chargers and he stepped right in as sure. the nickel. Well, that's exactly what you want, and, and, and you, need, you need that. And so, I mean, you see that he's been flipping through some veteran defensive backs, especially at that safety position, you know, the last couple of weeks. That's what he's looking for. I had a chance to speak to Ugo Amadi after his first Titans practice, and he indeed ha- says he has been asked to be the nickel. That's what they're looking at. And he, he just talked about the whirlwind of the last two weeks for him because you, you mentioned it 12 days ago, whatever it was, he was a part of the trade to the Eagles for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And two weeks later, he's here. And he said it was a surreal moment because he said – I asked him about what were the notifications like on his phone knowing he's coming back home because he played at John Overton High School right here in Nashville. He said, I was already in the air coming back to Nashville when it happened. When I touched down, I turned off my phone off of airplane mode. The notifications went bananas. And, of course, my next question was, okay, you and Theo Jackson have a lot of ticket requests for Saturday night at Nissan Stadium. Who is handling that? He said, oh, the Rook is handling that. I said, okay. Well, Theo says uh, he is very grateful that his mother is handling that. So it looks like Theo Jackson's mom is taking care of all of those requests. <laughs> As mom should do. That's right. That's what. That's a good mom. That's outstanding. <laughs> so Theo Jackson has been playing the nickel, too, since he has come back. They're trying to get him experience at that spot. Obviously, we've seen other guys line up when, you know, the Titans have used a package with McCrary and Farley on the field with Fulton and Byard and Hooker as the as the five. So there are a lot of different options. I think the other part of it, too, about Ugo Amadi, 580 special team snaps in his career. 
So not just a guy, but a guy who's been a special teams stalwart throughout his time in Seattle. Uh, you can't manufacture experience in this league, Mike, and that's, and that's what they were looking for now. Theo Jackson you know, has missed some time. He's missed some time early, you know, in his in his first year, and any of that time missed, especially for a first year player, is very very valuable, you know, to them. But it also, as time comes down to, we're getting ready for the regular season. You want dudes with some experience, and and that's exactly why he has been chumming the water for these types of players. Give me a Titan that needs to play well Saturday night, Amy Wells. I'm going to put you on the spot first. I'm going to buy you just a second by mentioning this is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans is celebrating 75 years of providing Tennesseans with high-quality health care coverage at an affordable price. Visit FBHP.com to learn about our history in Tennessee, and we love the fine folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans. Ryan Stonehouse. Oh, the punter. Yes, I think that that punter spot is... There are some decisions that need to be made there. I think there's upside no matter what direction you go. And I think that if Ryan Stonehouse wants to earn that job, he needs to have a great game. I would not want to be John Robinson when it comes to making that decision. Because on one hand, Brett Kern is a three-time Pro Bowler. He's had a really good camp. He's 36. You know him. You can trust him. On the other hand, it all ends at some point for everybody. This kid does not go through not claimed. Somebody's going to be interested in Stonehouse. You do save some cap money. You don't have a lot of excess cap money. And so people would say, well, you save a few hundred thousand up to a million and a half. I don't know what the number is. But at this point, the Titans could use every dollar out there because they are they are tight. It's snug. Man, yeah. I, I would not want to be John Robinson any day with that job but in particular about that decision. Well, it, it is one of the earmarks of a team who has had six straight winning seasons is the cuts are easy when you're not good. You know, in <laughs> Jacksonville, cuts are going to be pretty easy. Yeah, I took that shot. That's fine. But I'm just saying. He did. He went there. That's the, that's the difference. And, and, and listen, I, I, I do not envy John Robinson's position at all, and in particular for that battle right there. That may very well come down to the Cardinals game Saturday night. I've made those decisions, and but what, here's what you want. And Red's point is 100% correct. When you're a good team, you're going to have tough decisions. That's what you want. Uh, you know, if, if your decisions are easy, then you got problems because then you're going to be looking for everybody else's team to bring in. The player that I think has to show up is Laurel Murchison. I mean, he needs to. You know, he needs to continue to show up. Because that group is pretty crowded. Somebody is getting cut in the defensive line who's going to play week one for another team in this league. I think you're correct. I think you're correct. You know, and, that, and, and to me, that's and, – and, again, that goes along the same theme of if you've got a good football team, that you're going to be making cuts of people that are going to play right. as, soon as, you, as soon as you release them because your people you're releasing are better than theirs that they're releasing. And so, it, I mean, it, it's a cyclical thing. But if you've got a, a, an established pl- program like we have here at the Titans, sooner or later people are being looking at your cuts pretty hard. Well, you took mine, Coach Mack, but that's all right. You can do that. Well, Red, I, th- I, I know you well enough, and I looked at you, and I thought that that's who you were thinking. So it's exactly. Well, you saw the blood leave my face. You saw the blood so. leave your face. So yeah. that's why I did it on purpose. So <laughs> I am looking at Des Fitzpatrick. That's a crowded room, and you – start thinking about the numbers, I think you can see who you're going to pencil in for the first four, maybe five receivers. And 
I'll say this. Des Fitzpatrick has had a nice week. Mm-hmm. I have seen him flash in more than one place at St. Thomas Sports Park this week in red zone situations, in just individual drills. He's put together a nice week, and I, I think he knows it. I think he knows what he's got to do. You know who else has had a good week is Malik Willis. He absolutely has. Coach Mack and I were having a phone conversation about that a couple nights ago in terms of – I don't want to say like a, a huge major step forward, but you're seeing progress towards what can be. And for me, it is the clock in his head when it is time to release that football. And he's doing that with more consistency, and he's finding receivers and completing passes. Now, that's also taken into consideration that no one is trying to come and take his head off like they would in a regular game. And it's, you know, sure. having game plan thrown at him. But I'm seeing progress in that area in particular parameters. All four of us have watched him since he's been here in May, and we've, we've watched what he's been taught. And he's a sponge. He's absorbing what he's been taught. But what he has to do to marry, you know, his feet, his bottom part to what he's seen, when to see it, learn to throw people open, not wait till they come open in this league. And as Rhett has referenced, have that NFL clock in your head. And then, as, as Mike Vrabel said, and it's very important, when you escape out of the back of the pocket in the National Football League, you're setting yourself up for some problems. And, and let's just say this. Malik Willis has had two preseason games, but he has not done a lot of escaping against real dudes yet. When you're playing against real dudes in this league, all three levels can walk you down as a quarterback unless you're just exceptional, unless you're one of those 4-3 guys and you know those guys are rare. And so all of these things, learning how to manipulate a pocket and learning how to make escaping up in that A or B gap, once you've manipulated the cylinder, your friend, rather than trying to forfeit to the edges, which is the quickest way to get run down, plus the field is cut in, in completely off when you you escape to a sideline. He's learning all of this stuff, but he's making progress. Rhett and Amy and I, we watch it from upstairs where we can see it all, especially in the two-minute, and, and the clock in his head is getting better, and he's working on that. But that's not something that comes immediately. You have to be under fire for that to work. I think he still has a lot of welcome-to-the-NFL rookie moments ahead of him, which is to be expected. He is sure. a rookie. And that was also kind of the point, to give him exactly. a year to learn. So this is working as we're seeing exactly how it was supposed to. He was supposed to have the time to come in, understand the system, and he's going to all the right people for help. He spends a ton of time with Pat O'Hara. He's constantly talking to Todd Downing. He's constantly talking to the other quarterbacks in that room. I mean, the guy's going to the right places for information. So I think that this is all kind of working as it was designed to work, and so I'm excited about his future in that regard. Another thing that stuck out to me, do you guys just call each other and talk about players? Like, is that a thing that you guys do? Rhett said you guys talk on the phone and just during the evaluate season, people. During the, during the season, I talk calls? to Coach Dave McGinnis at least once a day on the phone and sometimes two or three times a day on the phone. Yeah, because you guys a, still talk on the phone. That's kind of cute. Yeah, well, it's not. Mike, there, I'm going to start calling you. There's nothing. Just every day. There's nothing It'd cute. There's just nothing, to talk. There's nothing cute about our conversations. On the phone? Sure. Okay. There's nothing cute about our conversations because there's some things we talk about that we can't talk about now. But the players. <laughs> <laughs> there's some tomfoolery there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but ab- absolutely. Because, and not only this team, but other teams too. Because, you know, we, Amy and I started that today. I mean, looking at starting to look ahead. I mean, as you well know, Mike, you spend how much of your time do you spend looking at other people's 
personnel, looking at what's going that's on. That's what I was doing before you guys came in here, well, that's, working on that. That's I know that. That's it's what time. We, that's what we do, and that's what we do, and there's no way to, to do it any better than to converse about it. I mean, that's what coaches do. That's what coaches do down here every day. When, they, when you see them walk in the building after practice, they're sitting down talking about players. I have the hotline number to the Coach Mac Bunker, <laughs> and he answers. And, but, you know, he, the bat phone. Has, he has done with all of us. He is the open book, I always say, and he's been very generous with his time and information. And if there's something truly I, I want to ask, like I called him about the field conditions in Arizona the other night against the Ravens, and he answered, and he said, yeah, it's because they don't do it at Flagstaff anymore, and they do everything inside. I'm like, okay, makes sense. All right, so final preseason game Saturday night. Titans Radio is on the air at 5 p.m. Central time. With the award-winning Titans Countdown presented by Farm, Farm Bureau, Bureau Health, Health Plans. Plans. Yes, and uh, Amy and I have a spectacular show planned. Spectacular. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. We're going Write to, it down, the, Mike The OT people are putting it in ink right now. <laughs> you have set yourself up. We are going to finish the preseason in style. No, we will hear from, obviously, head coach Mike Vrabel and general manager John Robinson, but you will hear from Ugo Amadi, the newest Titan and a hometown guy. You will hear from Theo Jackson, who is also from the same high school and the Nashville guy. Amy has... Got a great conversation lined up with Chico Conquo, the tight end from Maryland that everyone is very excited to, to hear about. And I have a great conversation with Stefania Bell of ESPN, the lead injury analyst who is everybody's best friend during the season, checking her timelines on Twitter about who – is going to be affected in their fantasy lineup because of injuries and this thing. And she, you know, she was a physical therapist for 20 years, and she knows what she's talking so about. So if you don't know who she is, think about Cynthia Friedland with NFL Network on statistics and analytics. Stefania Bell is that same person in the NFL media circles about injuries. That, that is a great comparison, and that is exactly how I would describe her. And she's smart, smart lady. And, you know, unlike some folks that are in that game in social media about, well, that looks like an ACL, he's done. She's vetting this properly. We talk about this in the conversation about how she actually approaches her job from her medical background and consulting others in the field instead of just jumping to a conclusion. She says, I don't want to be the first to break the story. I don't want to be the scoop person. I want to be... The, the right person when we put the information out. So that'll be good. Titans countdown, 5 o'clock Central time on Saturday on your Titans radio station. And they kick off shortly after 6 Central. Titans and the Cardinals at Nissan Stadium to wrap up the preseason. For Dave McGinnis, Amy Wells, Rhett Bryan, Ashley Farrell, and me, Mike Keith, thanks for joining us for the OTP.